It's Skylar, bitch. And I'm back. <laughs> kind of like the... What was that? The Mike, Michael Scott is that in the office? Yeah, the... It's the, Britney, bitch. Britney Spears. And I'm back. And then he hits Meredith with his car, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. If you save the world, we do it to the asshole. Anakin's been getting sloppy toppy <laughs> for years. Welcome back to Disingenuous. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. We are uh, recording for the first time since May, I think, right? I think so, yeah. I've, yeah. Um, I do a little uh, cataloging of episodes we've done, and I think that's the last one that I can remember. Yeah, I have failed everybody, including my family and myself. No, I, what happened, like, people are probably like, if anybody does listen, which I don't think anybody does, but if they I was going to say, are there, are there they people might assume super we went clamoring? Missing. There is not a soul clamoring, except for maybe <laughs> my sister, who maybe shows some friends this, but no one can ever know. Well, um, I thought it was already defunct. <laughs> um. So we haven't been recording since May just because of life. Uh, I got married. I moved. Congratulations, Skylar. Thank you. I got married. I moved. Uh, you are now, instead of living in the same apartment complex a walking distance away, you are a whopping like 50 minutes away. Well, more uh, than that. It's like hour 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I always give the Current drive the benefit of the doubt because I used to commute. Current uh, living situation is... Not ideal, but hopefully that doesn't last too long. No. However, financially, it is ideal. It is ideal at the moment, yes. So, don't, uh, don't, <laughs> that's the thing, is like, I don't really care how it makes me look. If it financially helps me out, then it's the right <laughs> Right. So, who cares? Um, we haven't been together in a long time, which means a lot of shit has happened since the last time we podcasted. Like, a lot of shit. Um, the last time me and you spoke, I, th- I think one of our last episodes, we actually made a, you made a joke to me. You were like, hey, Skylar, what's going to come out first? New Mutants or the Snyder Cut? And I was narrow, narrowly wrong. I actually said that correctly. I was close to making that prediction correct, jokingly, but 2020 is a ridiculous fucking year. And since we've been gone, A, the Snyder Cut has been announced already crazy and b you can watch new mutants at home <laughs> it actually came out right now yeah now what came first was it was the announcement it was the announcement and then new mutants right yeah because new mutants didn't come out in theaters till august i think okay yeah so, so yeah i was kind of <laughs> it was kind of close but the announcement came beforehand but it didn't physically come out beforehand but still stuff we were making jokes about are now uh real Kind of crazy. Yeah, it's um, a lot of stuff has happened, but it. I'm still in this weird like limbo with movies in general right now because of COVID. Everything is sort of held up in the air. You don't know when it's going to happen. Right. And thank God that Warner Brothers finally decided to just release Wonder Woman because. Yeah. 
we, we've been literally starving for any kind of entertainment and for them to finally bite the bullet and say, we're going to make this available. They're going to lose money on it. it it's going to happen. They are. But, and, I, and I bet they're especially kind of kicking themselves because with this vaccine stuff kind of ramping up, the odds of them being able to do an actual decent summer release are slowly growing. The more we learn about this vaccine and everything. Yeah. Um, but I still think they made the right decision because First off, interest has just been dying. Especially, I don't. For me personally, it has been like every time I see an ad, I'm like, "This is old fucking news." Like, well, here's the thing: is like, I, I totally agree with, with you on, on that about Wonder Woman. I at this point, it's like I just want to see it, but yeah, I don't really care about it. But there's worse examples than that. Marvel has really dropped the ball with Black Widow. Yeah, I, I forget about I, it I daily, and when they show pictures, I'm like, I don't even really have any hype for and, it at all. And it's really fucked up their slate in general because not only has Black Widow been pushed back, Eternals have been pushed back, everything has been pushed back, right? Apparently, it came out today that Florence Pugh's character in Black Widow, Yelena Belova, will be in the Hawkeye miniseries that it will eventually come on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. But I also saw there is a rumor, it's Grace Randolph, who is... Just annoying to me. I, with all yeah, the she, stuff. I, I used but, to give her some shit, but she's actually since the like all this DC scoop stuff, she's been on point she, with it. She um touts herself too much. She's like, look how great I am. Which Most is, of them do. That's, that's what that's yeah. what puts puts me off with her. But anyway, she also said that she thinks that Yelena Belova is in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, and that's why that's been pushed back because that was supposed to come out before WandaVision and WandaVision is coming out first in January and the theory is that the reason Falcon and Winter Soldier hasn't come out first is because you can't have Yelena Belova in there without releasing Black Widow first so pushing back Black Widow not going the Mulan route even if even if you charge people for it um, HBO Max releasing Wonder Woman 84 has kind of put that to bed because they're not charging you more for it if you already have a subscription. But pushing Black Widow back has destroyed everything else, at least for the time being, for Marvel. And the other thing, too, this is probably business stuff aside, because I probably don't fully grasp that, and I'm probably saying something where anyone on the business end would be like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. But... Mm -hmm. Disney or Marvel is already hanging its hat on these Disney Plus shows. Like they yeah. want to go all in on Disney Plus and for all of that access. Mm-hmm. So then why is it a big deal to put Black Widow on there? Because you're already going to be putting a bunch of content on there anyways. I that's that that's my thoughts, but then again, I'm not that's that's ignoring the business side of things. It's me thinking like, well, you're already going to get most of your audience from Disney Plus anyways. I mean, look at the Mandalorian on Disney Plus is just fucking blowing up everything. So the Mandalorian is doing very very well, but the problem with the Mandalorian is I know a lot of people's interests waver or are different than mine, but that's all Disney Plus has going for it right now. Um, they have other original stuff, and they have their back catalog is just probably it, it competes with ever, with anyone else. But, but that, that's as far but that's as my original point. content go, Mandalorian is the only thing they have. So, but it's meant to be. But their plan is to become like known for this original 
like content from Marvel and stuff. So why not kick it off with Black Widow? I really In think though thoughts. that I I agree with that, but I really think that was, um, in addition to the Marvel stuff, they're going to try to expand Star Wars as much as possible. The, um, they're already doing an Obi-Wan Kenobi show with Ewan McGregor, and there's at least one or two characters that have appeared on The Mandalorian that could get spinoff shows. So but that's on the future. With everything I've heard about the Star Wars shows, <laughs> somehow I'm actually more excited for the Star Wars shows than the Marvel ones. And I am a huge Marvel fan. The the Mandalorian has been, I mean, what can you really say about it? It's been absolutely stellar. The the tone is correct. The right people are behind it creatively. John Favreau, Dave Filoni, um, Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi. Uh, they all their directors have been great. Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard has directed a couple great episodes. Oh yeah, she's they have she's, the right creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, that's. And imagine the, imagine them getting their hands on some Ewan McGregor stuff, too. Just sounds awesome. I mean, it's happening at some point, and yeah. um, there's talks of other characters that have either been gone for a while in live action or been in the cartoons so far that are going to come into live action that they could really expand Star Wars without making more movies. It feels like this should have been the niche they went with Star Wars. Instead of the sequel movies, which I'm actually... You won't hear me bash on them because I actually enjoy them. I like Daisy Ridley, and everyone knows that I unapologetically love The Last Jedi. <laughs> but it feels like maybe for the broader audience that the shows is more the way to go with Star Wars. Um, and in a way to build, build on it better than just some sequel movies that maybe could tarnish some of what people liked in the others. I have a lot of problems with the sequel movies, including mm-hmm. the... Um, the over uh, indulgence of nostalgia. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a huge fan of nostalgia, but it really was just an overdose of it. And the thing with the shows and with the previous trilogies, um, the original and the prequel uh, trilogies, is that each movie was released three years apart. And then with the shows, you obviously have, even if it's eight episodes, you have so much more time to tell a story. With the sequels, they were released once every two years. They're about two and a half hours apiece, and that's probably my main my main concern with the, the sequel trilogies, uh, sequel trilogy movies, is that they were just so rushed, and so much happened in it without any explanation, or just kind of like fan service moments, that it just really rubbed me the wrong way. It was just like. Especially the Force Awakens was like, "Hey, look at all the characters you used to love. Like, that's why you're coming to see this movie." And then everything that happened in Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker was that bad combination of um, rush story and just like that, like heaping, like this ridiculous helping of uh, fan service, which was cool, but it, it doesn't make a great movie. No, no. But sprinkling a little bit here and there in a show, not so bad. When 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 the Mandalorian references, um, I don't want to be too spoiler, but like when they reference stuff from the previous movies, or, or, or cartoons the, even, or the cartoons that pe- that people really love. I haven't really been into Star Wars cartoons all that much, but people love 
Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. And when you make reference references to those shows, either with specific characters or just like little nods here or there, people love that shit. And that's the kind of that's the kind of fan service that people really get behind um, in comparison to the kind of heavy handed fan service of the of the prequel mo- movies especially i don't think the last jedi did it all that much but especially force wiggins and rise of skywalker did that a lot mm-hmm. hence why i love the last jedi yeah. <laughs> um the, at least the last jedi had the balls to be original that's, that's why a, like i'll it. give it that i went forever like i saw the last jedi probably like two years after it came out after everybody was all freaked out about it, and I watched it at home by myself, and I was like, ooh, I, this is like, this is just like fucking taking a dump on everything. This is its own movie. I love this. Like, I liked it because I was so separated. But everybody in the hype and everything, that's that's the thing. With, and that's why the shows, I think, work better is you, you're not sitting in a theater with a bunch of people with a bunch of opinions. You're just at home. I, no I just enjoy every episode yeah. of The Mandalorian, just like by yeah. myself, honestly. You watch it at your leisure and you enjoy it, and that's kind of the way st- I, that I grew up with Star Wars in the first place. So we've really found out too, and it's just it's a shame with the sequel movies. Honestly, we found out with The Mandalorian that if you have a tightly knit creative team that knows what they're doing, even if you have multiple directors for a TV show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, multiple directors work better for a TV show, but when you have one like combined driving force behind the content, it's going to work out way better than it did with the movies where they were like, let's get J.J. Abrams. He directed some good Star Trek movies. Let's get Ryan Johnson. He directed some great, great movies, but they have totally different sensibilities, totally different stories. So it didn't really it didn't work nearly as well as it could have when it was kind of all jumbled instead of like an example like the Mandalorian where everyone on board knows what they're doing and they all do the same thing. Yeah. That's an instance where they should have realized early on. Um, it was really, they, they should have learned from, from watching people like, like Warner brothers management at the time is being like you for better or worse, you commit, you know, you, you let them formulate their story and is it worth it in the end? Maybe if it's not, Whatever, but it's but it's going to be respected a lot more than if you just change things up to appeal people constantly, and then it turns out even shittier. Like you know, like you go J.J. Abrams, and then you go Ryan Johnson, then you go back to J.J. and you watch all three movies, and you're like, this wasn't a cohesive three movie well, arc at all. Um, but so, if, you, if but maybe if you would have committed to one person's idea the whole way through. Whether you like it or not, at the end, you're like, well, I understand. I, I see what I appreciate the ambition of what they're trying to tell. Much like a, like a Wachowski's Matrix, like yeah. everyone who saw Revolutions is like, eh. but anyone who talks about it goes, I love that they went for it. You know, you always have to respect the artist's idea. Even as an example, if they had gone with J.J. Abrams being the primary producer of those movies and had Ryan Johnson direct them, and they were working as a cohesive unit it would have turned out better. Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't really have a plan and did each movie individually didn't really make any sense. Um, you've seen with other, even like, for example, with the Harry Potter movies, the the eight Harry Potter movies had five different directors, but they all had the same creative team behind them. And um, a book. Not, right. Like, it's easier to follow that. But, I mean, with 
with Star Wars and with comics, like either Marvel or DC, you have a wealth of stories to go off of. So they have source material. But my point is, even like excluding the actors that remain the same throughout all eight of those movies, they had the same producers, executives, writers, etc., to make it feel like a cohesive franchise instead of, but, but and they you still had individuality. It, like, there's a difference between the haphazard approach to the Star Wars sequels and the like cohesive individuality of the of like the Harry Potters. Like, you and they, still they have were, room for individuality, right? And they were choosing creators that helped serve the purpose that they the plan that they already had. Like the right. director they had for Prisoner of Azkaban, which is most people's favorite, um, was like including mine. Known for nothing. Like he, I think he did like some like small indie stuff. Oh no, he he was um he Alfonso Coron is a very acclaimed director. He was oh, before really? Harry Potter, and he's won a couple of Oscars after Harry Potter. He's been an acclaimed director pretty much. He directed even, a little, even before uh, Little Princess in the nineties. He had a couple of um, Spanish language movies that have, were very well received. Uh, I can't think of off the top of my head. So maybe I'm but, being, uh, but no, I, your point is well, and referring to myself, I didn't know who he was. Your your point is well taken though, because with the first two movies, they they got Chris uh, Chris Columbus, mm-hmm. who was great with children actors. Um, with uh, Curly Sue, and then obviously the Home Alone movies in the '90s, so they knew that he they they played to his strengths. And then by the time the third movie came around, and Chris Columbus didn't want to do it anymore, they got Alfonso Cuarón, who was like, "Let me make this a little more adult, a little more like teenager, like to put a different spin on it." Because that was and the movie then, when, when you watch it, because you were growing up too. Because I mean, as these kids aged, remember we aged right. too. So I remember watching it being like, "Oh, this is." It gets a little this more is serious. evolving. This is evolving with me. I'm in. Much like and, the books did. So yeah, I mean, Chris Columbus handled the. Um, I don't want to. It's not like childish, but like the lighter toned books into the movies. Yeah. And, and then as they kids. went along, they got directors that suited those stories. Mm-hmm. That was a cohesive plan that made those movies incredibly successful. And that's something that I wish would have happened with the Star Wars sequels because everything else that Disney has done, um, including the cartoons, um, bringing back Clone Wars for Disney Plus and Rebels, which people really like, but um, the side stories of Rogue One and Solo were great, and The Mandalorian has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. They've hit, they've hit out of the ballpark with everything critically, except those like three mainline movies, mm-hmm. and it's just really kind of. Not a shame. I mean, they're still they're still entertaining movies. Like it's not a, that big of a deal, but it's like they could have been batting a thousand, you know, if they had just taken even if they weren't batting examples thousand, from if other. They, if they just had a, if they just like even the prequels, like they get outlandish and absurd, but it's George right. Lucas and his ideas through and through. Like even if it doesn't fully succeed, you commit. And people will respect you for it. I mean, and, and and that's what like you're seeing that kind of now with. We can get into this now, but you're you're seeing it now with the Zack Snyder's Justice League. People who didn't like Zack Snyder, and admittedly still don't like his films, 
mm-hmm. are like, I, yeah, I want to see it. I want to see his idea where it was going. They're like, nobody likes to be led down a path where they like it or not. And then just taken off course just because people are scared. Yeah. You know, people, I think people are excited to see um, what he was going to do with it because everyone who saw justice league is like, this is definitely not his movie, his style, anything. Um, so I think people respect and get excited for somebody's idea, whether, you know, they end up liking it or not. I think the, uh, major benefit of Zack Snyder's, uh, justice league for me personally is going to be, um, not so much the movie itself, Mm-hmm. But you're. I think it'll be better as the part as a part of the whole, in the sense that if you watch Man of Steel, the ultimate edition, the three-hour rated R cut of Batman vs Superman, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League, they will be a cohesive unit. Right. And um. And you can hang your hat on that. Yeah. Fans of it can hang their I'd hat. I'd rather on have that, that than. The, the terribly edited theatrical cut of Batman vs Superman, which I still don't understand to this day, and the the Josh ultimate ed- cut, the ultimate edition Justice of Bat- Batman vs Superman is perfectly fine to me. To me, it's all subjective. There, either the people who don't like the it, Zack Snyder ones are totally perfectly fine in their opinion of it because he does make right. some bold choices. I happen to like bold choices, which is why I like the Last Jedi which is why I like movies like Birds of Prey. Um, I think if you watch the ultimate cut and you're you're kind of sitting there like, they took out the main chunks of this movie. Every time I talk to somebody about Batman versus Superman, I always come back to, I sat here and watched the entire three hours of it. And the biggest takeaway from that movie of 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 that of the ultimate edition cut to me was... This made so much more da- more damn sense than when I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Like, like they cut out like explicit details from the movie that made it make more sense. I, I I was just I was like baffled to why this even happened. They they took like, out the whole beginning thing. You're the whole when I saw it in theaters, I'm like, okay, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand the point of it. It seems a little rushed and doesn't fully work. You watch the ultimate cut and you're like It makes so okay, much more sense. I see exactly what's going on here. This is this is good. This is a good way to, to to set this up. It's and I know Batman and Superman are the main focus of that movie and then obviously Wonder Woman later, but like putting all that stuff back in made Lois Lane an actually good great character in that movie. She she actually has a cohesive storyline throughout the whole movie in the ultimate edition. So that's why I was like why did this happen to where like she's not even consequential in the final cut? And more importantly, the thing he did for me too is I love Man of Steel. And at the end of Man of Steel, there's that iconic scene where he's at the Daily Planet mm-hmm. and he's got his glasses on and she's like, welcome to the planet. And he's like, glad to be here, Lois. And I get amped. I'm like, okay. So moving forward, I get to see <clears throat> some Clark Kent, which you didn't get to see in Man of Steel at all. When you oh. watch the theatrical cut of BVS, I'm like... It's like sort of. You see him walk behind his glasses, but what was the fucking point of even introducing this element of the story? You watch the ultimate cut, he's like literally investigating. Yeah, he's doing investigative journalism. And I'm like, 
okay, why would the fuck would you take this out? Why? And it's also and it's him doing investigative journalism on Batman in a Batman versus Superman movie. Seems yeah. kind of like the kind of stuff you'd want to keep. It's kind of relevant right? to yeah. the to the story. Yeah, like he's investigating Batman. It also builds up the hype of their battle. He's investigating. They're both researching each other. And the theatrical it's like, okay, well, Batman's really, really like worried about Superman and studying him. Superman doesn't seem to give a fuck. But then the ultimate yeah. cut, you're like, okay, they're both kind of researching each other. It's like the in the theatrical cut, the scene where he stops the Batmobile, where Superman stops the Batmobile and rips off the top of it, and he's like, he says all those lines that Batman is like, don't go, yeah. don't go to the light in the sky, and you're like, in the theatrical cut, you're like. Fuck why why, why would he say like, that? He, he doesn't have any animosity towards him. Yeah. Why, why, why would he say that? But it builds up in the ultimate edition to where you're like, okay, like Clark kind of hates Batman. Doesn't he kind of learns this guy's a fuck? Yeah, yeah. So it makes like even like little things like I mean that's not really a little thing, but like that's a good example of something that made way more sense in the ultimate edition than the crappy theatrical cut that people freaking despised when it came out. And, and I'm really hoping that's what happens with the Snyder cut, because the theatrical cut of like that'd be a good um, history repeating itself, where the theatrical cut of Batman vs Superman was reviled, and then the people who are fans of Snyder's Batman and Superman stories really loved the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, any anyone who saw that Ultimate Edition that. Because like when I walked out of Batman vs. Superman, I was like, I see what he was trying to do. I love Batman v Superman. I could smell I could just smell it's that like stench sort of, of some Warner Brothers. Like I was like, I, I see what Zack was doing. They release the ultimate cut, you watch it, you're like, okay, I really like this movie. Because for one, for me, I like superhero movies that aren't just like boom, bang, cutscene, yada yada. That's why Infinity War, when I walked out, I was kinda like, eh, I was a little underwhelmed. I love Endgame. Like it has character moments. It takes its time. That's what I liked about Batman versus Superman. And I don't care that it's three fucking hours. Who cares? I'll watch four hours of that shit of Batman and Superman going about their lives, fighting each other. I don't care. I think it's great. And I think that if you're going to make that story serious and real, it's got to be long. I always, yeah, I I always um, am kind of befuddled by people who are really upset with like really long run times of movies but they'll binge like 13 episodes of tv show in a day yeah and the, these like same it's people, the same yeah. thing but less <laughs> they'll talk about daredevil dude the amount of hours that you have to invest into that story if it is a good movie you don't even realize how much time you're killing on it we saw i saw endgame three times in one weekend three times yeah that is nine hours of my life and it felt like it was two hours out of my whole weekend. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry about yeah, the runtime. Worry about the story being told the right way. That's all that matters. That, that was the like best example, probably the first time ever that I was not remotely um, burdened by movies runtime. Like, I kind of get like some movies just like okay, like. You, you watch, you watch It Chapter 2, and while I like It Chapter 2 a lot, there are yeah. moments of the movie where you're like, okay, I, and whenever I rewatch it, I'm like, okay, I can do without these parts. I might skip them yeah. and get to the, the meatier stuff. They're... But for movies like Endgame, I kind of like all of it. I don't need to get to any of the meaty chunks. There's, there's some movies that are long that 
I watch even like now, like rewatching ones where I'm like in the middle of it, I'm like, man, there's like all these sequences left. There's probably like an hour and a half left in this movie. But I never felt that way with Endgame. That was the first movie where it was like, this movie's gonna be three hours, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm I, down. I'm I'm there opening night, whatever. I've also never felt that way with any Chris Nolan movie. I know like uh, Interstellar is really long. I, I there's a point in the time where I watch the clock and I'm like, I really don't want this to end. I like this yeah. whole vibe. I want it just to keep going. There are there are moments in movies where I wa- I look like I'm having a good time, and I will check my watch and be like, it's kind of like whenever you. Like whenever I go to a friend's house and I tell my wife, like, hey, I'll be back by this time. Uh, you check your clock because you're like, I'm having a good time. I need to make sure I still have more time to have fun. I'll check yeah. my uh, watch in a movie and be like, oh, good. There's an hour left. I still get to enjoy more of this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's how I felt with uh, watching uh, Tenet. It's like that movie was, I mean, most of his movies now are about two and a half hours. The movie never felt like it was dragging on at all. Like I Partly never because like, I spent, oh man, this is really long. Yeah, I am to say that I am excited for that movie to come out in a couple of weeks. I mean, be able to watch it in all its glory down in my basement is an understatement. Right. Uh, I'm glad that Nolan released it when he did and didn't push it any longer. Um, here's the here's the thing with with every example like Chris Nolan or Marvel, especially especially the bigger companies like Marvel or DC, you may lose money on like Wonder Woman or Black Widow or whatever. Keep talking, I'm but getting another beer. That's one movie out of a franchise that is over twenty movies long. It's like it sucks that you're gonna lose you're gonna lose some money like releasing it on Disney Plus or HBO Max or whatever. But at least your fans get to see it. At least they they can continue to be hyped about your franchises. And, like, you kind of have to take a bullet during this, like, awful, awful time. But this is such an anomaly in our lives that hopefully will not last forever. So it's, like, I've been really, I've, like, had it up to here with Eon Productions and MGM just pushing back No Time to Die by six months or a year or whatever over and over and over again because they want to make like a billion dollars on it. I understand that. But you haven't had a movie in five fucking years. Well, and did you see that story I really, that Netflix had a chance to purchase No Time to Die? Yeah, but it was half of what Eon wanted. So we could have seen No Time to Die on Netflix, which at this point I would have fucking taken. But it's like I have more um, like goodwill towards DC, Warner Brothers, whoever that they're putting Wonder Woman on HBO Max. Like, I'm kind of pissed at Marvel and Disney for not putting Black Widow or Falcon and Winter Soldier or whatever on Disney+. Plus. And I'm beyond pissed off at Eon for not making No Time to Die available. Like, if if you didn't have this haphazard-ass pre-production schedule and this giant gap between Spectre and No Time to Die and all these other problems, and then you run into COVID... And you just keep pushing back, keep pushing back, and still expect to make a billion dollars on it. Maybe I wouldn't be so pissed off at you about it. But it's like, yeah. if you had just released it, then like I was thinking of this yesterday. That movie was supposed to come out before it was moved again to next April. It was supposed to come out this April, which means it's November now. 
which means we could have had that movie on home video already. Like, I could own that movie already if you just released it. Could be throwing that steelbook in with my beautiful collection right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, add another to my James Bond collection. Yeah. But they just keep pushing it back and pushing it back. And I hope to God that by the time it's supposed to come out again, it actually does come out. And I understand all the mitigating, mitigating circumstances that surround that. But as a fan of the movie, it's just, I've just, I can't stand it anymore, honestly. It's it's just been it's been grating, and I know that anyone that I bring it up to over the last five years is probably tired of me saying it. But I that's why I'm really excited about uh, HBO Max and Wonder Woman. It's like I applaud like DC for just being like, whatever we we want you to see it. We're not going to push it back anymore. It's out. It'll be in theaters, but you can watch it at, from the comfort of your home. Like at least give us the option, right? If if Marvel did that, it's like we're gonna put Black Widow out, but we'll make it available on Disney Plus for no extra charge. I'd watch it on Disney Plus. I would. And like I would to... applaud Disney for it. They would have my goodwill, and I wouldn't have any more ill will towards them about it. You know, twenty twenty is a, is an absurd year because I would like to applaud DC and Warner Brothers because they're just fucking killing it lately. Exactly. On all fronts. First of all, in accessibility, like you were just saying. And and that's where Disney and them can step up now. You have these platforms. You have these ways of doing this. Make it accessible. You know what I mean? I, you're, you, you already have your fucking Disney. So I don't want to hear about money. That, that, that's, well, I kind of have a little bit of sympathy for Disney because everyone, like, I know they have basically monopolized entertainment, but they have so many different divisions that have been truly affected by this. They make a lot of their money on the theme parks. And the theme parks have been at half capacity or less throughout this whole thing. So they're losing a lot of money there, losing a lot of money with movies. Excuse me. And um like I kinda get why they want to hold on to their properties to try to make the most of it. But it I I can't help but admit that it's hilarious when you see the new commercials for Wonder Woman 1984 and at the end it says also on HBO Max at no extra charge to subscribers which is literally the biggest fuck you they could tell they could tell to Disney at this point yeah I mean I know box office is where the money is I don't want to make it sound like I'm naive and stupid I don't realize that I'm I'm a fan also making demands, much like I do with my Cleveland Browns. I make demands that are sometimes unrealistic, although this year I'm quite satisfied. And again, it's 2020. I'm praising them too. Um, but like, what happens if you release Wonder Woman 1984? It's a banger. It's a great movie. I'm thinking it is, hoping it is. Love Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Love Chris Pine. Have all the faith in the world. Um, people are going to be so grateful they put it up there that they get that content. You got Snyder Cut then coming in HBO Max too. You're going to see a huge boost in subscribers to HBO Max for DC that you weren't getting because now all of a sudden DC's got the new content. DC's giving you new things and different things. And Marvel is not, first of all. Marvel has, has and, been like waterlogged for yeah, a while now. And B, you don't know when you're going to see fucking Black Widow. I understand they give, they I don't did they give another date? It doesn't matter. You don't know when don't it's going to come out. 
we joke all the time about how we're excited about Spider-Man 3, and you're like, well, I'm excited to see it in fucking 2030 or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's this, just... is, this is where, like, DC has the stuff. They have it accessible. People are going to be like, you know what? These are hard times. I need to budget better. Why don't I get rid of Disney Plus for a while? I got HBO right. Max. I'm good to go. You know what um, I mean? It's just like... I, I get the monetary value of like trying to release these things and make them making the most of it. But there has to be something to be said about the benefit of just goodwill towards your branding. Right. Like I know that you say if they if they kill it with HBO Max, more people are gonna subscribe to it. So there is monetary value in it. But to me, I know it may be naive, but when Warner Brothers does stuff like make their big blockbusters that they know they're going to lose money on accessible to me. I'm going to care more about them than I am going to. And I know I'm a very big proponent of not making it DC versus Marvel, but for this comparison, I'm going to, I'm going to be more in the camp of praising DC and Warner brothers and HBO max. If they make this stuff available while Disney is just bogarting it. Like they just, they, keep it locked locked away they're like well, you can't watch this until we have theaters and they have all this content for disney plus that they promised and i know you can't I, I, again we know the limitations of covid like stuff can't get filmed or whatever but like they promise all this content for disney plus and it's like they can't even semi-deliver it i forgot so it's just kind of just it's just kind of concerning yeah like isn't it crazy to think that the last Marvel, like that last MCU entry was Spider-Man Far From Home? It seems like years ago now. It kind of... That's crazy. Yeah. Like they was, haven't had... It was last summer. And, and they haven't and, had new content in a year and a half. And they have these new shows. Yet, they announced Falcon Winter Soldier and all this shit forever ago. Pre-pandemic. Right. I remember. It was pre-pandemic. I was so excited for this year. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic, they announced the Snyder Cut coming to HBO Max. They have two different kinds of trailers and new footage and a full-on DC fandom presentation for the Snyder Cut. And I still have yet to see a Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. Have you seen one? Um, we may want to fact check. I think there's at least been a little hint of footage. I can't remember if it's a hint of footage, but I'm saying like the marketing but even like I'm not seeing anything for these shows. There's been a there's been a lot of promotion for WandaVision. I've seen yeah, a lot for WandaVision. A little. And that I, thankfully is finally coming out in January. Like at least we'll get that. I'm not but, as I'm not as like super amped for WandaVision because I really don't know anything about it. Yeah. Um but I just I just like I just feel like I don't want to make it a DC versus Marvel thing because you know I love Marvel too. I got fucking Marvel right. posters all over my basement. I got all the Marvel movies. I there's I there's no benefit. Yeah, to, there's no benefit to picking just one. Honestly, right. like I, I love both. all of them equally, um, mm-hmm. but I just think much like businesses or sports teams, one goes on a better run than the other. Marvel's been the fucking New England Patriots just dominating for the past ten years. But I think right now, which is weird that it's the same exact time that the Patriots aren't, aren't dominating. Yeah, now time. they've got Cam. Yeah, yeah, at the same exact <laughs> time, literally. But now DC, I think, is on this bit of run, and, and they're 
they're kind of doing things that Marvel isn't now, which they should have been doing all along, where they just kind of say, fuck continuity, continuity, schmontinuity. Let's just make good shit, things you didn't think you'd ever see, and I'm all for it. I mean, hey, you want to make a Snyder Cut? Fuck it. Let's dump money into a Snyder Cut. And that's the thing is they're also going to let Zack Snyder make... Because you know how, like, uh, he probably shot most of that movie... But then was like, you know, if they ever gave me a chance to do reshoots, like all movies do, yeah. every Marvel movie has reshoots. It's not a bad thing. But he's probably like, if they yeah. let me do some reshoots or additional photography, I've got a few things I'd change that I think would actually be an improvement upon what I did originally. Because that's just how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet we're going we're gonna to see the best version of whatever he had planned altogether. So I think that's awesome. I think besides not filming a couple of scenes, like if they're going to include Martian Manhunter or Green Lantern, I think what most of this is reinserting the scenes that were cut. Stuff that he already filmed, like like Cyborg playing football and stuff like that. But I think he's adding I some outlandish ideas they said no to. I think he's adding them based on availability. I, I, it's, it's now that clear. you can make it a miniseries on the streaming service, there's a lot more uh, fluidity to that. It's clear to me that he is adding nightmare stuff. That's what it is. I mean, it's it's about four yeah. minutes. It's they said it's only going to equate to about four minutes of additional footage, and everyone's like, "What?" I'm like, "Well, no, you're going to see over two hours of brand new footage of his cut." But I'm saying because I, they got rid of him so abruptly, I'm sure there's stuff he's touching up and adding. It's about four minutes of new on top of new. You know what I mean? Yeah, I th- I think it um should be said though that I think the point of the Snyder cut shouldn't be. Like, what are we getting new in it? It should be taken more as, like, we already... Even if he adds all this stuff back to it and, like, changes around some scenes or adds some stuff or whatever, we kind of already have a gist of what the movie is going to be. Oh, I no, think, 100%. But, but, but we know... I think... We know what the movie wasn't, though. Yeah. We know we know the... And I, that's the thing is I'm fine with the direction that the story wanted to kind of go. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. But I, you know, like I did, you left the theater feeling empty. You're like, well, there's no stakes in it. Well, I get where they were going, but it was just it was a hollow story. And I know when you add in the stuff that was taken out, it's gonna go the same place. Fighting Stepping Wolf, beating him. My my point being is that I don't think we should take too much stock in how different the movie is going to be, mm-hmm. but where I think it's more important to think of what branches off of this. The future is more important than ever. If you add nightmare scenes with Joker and Deathstroke, if you um, introduce Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern, I'm more interested, like obviously when the Saturn Cut comes out, I'm going to watch it and hopefully they love it. I'm more interested in not the movie that's coming out, but I'm interested in what's going to spawn off of this. Are we going to get a Ben Affleck Batman series on HBO Max? Are we going to get a Justice League 2? Are we going to get other characters? Does Zack Snyder direct another Man of Steel? Stuff like that. Like if this is, It's important that this is successful because if it just comes out and it dead ends, it's like I don't care. I don't give a shit about it. I want this to be the jumping off point for the rest, for the not for the rest of the DCEU, but for the future of the DCEU. I want to. I want everything to come off of this and get a Justice League 2 and get another Zack Snyder Superman movie and get 
more Justice League characters like Marsh Manhunter. And thank God Black Adam is introducing like uh, Hawkman. And like, I, I love Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, but I want this to be successful so we get more characters like Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Get some of the Hawkman more big players Girl, in there too. Marsh Manhunter, because they, they deserve their due. I want I want Cyborg to be successful in this movie to to get his own movie or to be in the Flash or to whatever. I think it's more important that this is successful as a jumping off point. I think than the movie itself. I think they believe that that'll be the case. I really do. I have no facts to back it up. I hope so. Nobody has any facts to back it up, but I believe that they believe in this and they believe in that vision. I I watched. Uh, Speaking of Grace Randolph, who we were talking about earlier, she did an interview with Zack Snyder himself, um, and he, it, like, straight from his mouth, he said that Toby Emmerich was one of the ones who reached out to him and asked him about right. finishing his cut, mm-hmm. which to me seems pretty big, because that's not what I would expect, but it seems that I, the, I mean... the big players at Warner Brothers realize their mistake reached out to him mm-hmm. like obviously he pushed it it was the whole thing was a marketing genius from everybody um because i mean it happened and the fact that it happened is again i said i'm a browns fans it's bringing the browns back <laughs> level of it's like almost unbelievable <laughs> right um, um so i'm familiar i'm familiar with the successes of bringing something back that was taken from you but i i think the fact that Warner Brothers reached out and said, hey, how'd you feel? Not only how would you feel about doing this, but we're going to give you how many millions of dollars during a pandemic, during the time that people, like you said, are losing money at box office and all that stuff. Warner Brothers said... They're willing to spend money. Creative freedom. We're fucking Warner Brothers. Here you go. Um, you know, they they are letting him do this vision, and I believe that they're giving him that money and they gave him the green light because they see the potential afterwards. They realized, like, whenever yeah. the news broke about Batman, people were pissed. I remember the day that I got the the Superman news. People who didn't like Man of Steel or people that I thought didn't like Zack Snyder were like, this fucking sucks. I love yeah. Henry Cavill. I want to see more of him. I think they're realizing that people weren't done with these stories or these people. They just wanted them told more consistently. Yeah. And by bringing Zack Snyder in to finish, there's adding some consistency. And then say you give some other directors the chance to branch off of his stories, people will be more accepting of that now. Um, but also, he's getting his feet wet with streaming shows. I mean, he's doing Army of the Dead right now, which is yeah, a show. Yeah, I forgot about that. So he he ha- he already has the ability and his feet in the water to, to make shows. So you could have him branch off after Army of the Dead. And maybe, what if he wanted to do it? Are you telling me that a Batfleck show directed by Zack Snyder on HBO Max. It would be phenomenal. Wouldn't fucking be the talk of the... T- you want to you wanna battle Mandalorian? It'd be a big deal. You wanna, I, I feel like it would be bigger than Mandalorian, honestly. I feel it like... It would compete. Uh, it would compete with it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that would be... Um, and you release it weekly. Cause people would lose their shit for that. Batman hasn't been serialized in episodic format since the 60s with Adam West. So yeah, Batman I mean, yeah. in a TV show would be ridiculous and it's been cartoons since then well yeah the only, the only time I mean, you've I'm seen it episodically action. might be like the show gotham you've seen him yeah or like crisis and infinite earth kind of you've seen him yeah but a serialized show with an actor of ben affleck's caliber i mean that's the thing is the mandalorian's pedro pascal like they're using legit 
movie actors for that stuff. Like, oh, if you they, put, yeah, if you there's put, great talent on those shows. And here's the other thing you don't get. Like, when a new Batman movie comes out, like when the Nolan ones came out, you were like, I, I'm excited to find out who the villain is. Or even like the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. You're like, you knew Toby was in there, right? But you were sitting there, like, just waiting, checking your computer all the time, good old AOL, and being like, who's going to be the villain of this? That's the most exciting part, because you get to see a new take. With a show, you can see, you're like, I, you can do I, so many different characters. See whoever the fuck I want. Well, I, th- I think that line between TV and movies has faded a long time ago because even now, like like George Clooney is doing a movie for Netflix. Um, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and et cetera have been on shows for like HBO or whatever. So you could like Ben Affleck being on a TV show of Batman is is not far out of the realm of possibility. But I will say. I told you about a year ago that I never th- that I didn't think the Snyder Cut was going to happen because the first thing that would have to happen would be Warner Brothers admitting fault. So I I don't know how how much each person is involved in this, whether it be Toby Emmerich or Walter Hamada or Jim Lee or whoever, but the higher ups at Warner Brothers, which which are fairly new, they got rid of a lot of the bad right. They they brought in these guys and they realized that well that's that's the good thing about a regime change it's like football it's like these guys were bad but we're not going to be bad or we're going to try not to be the same as the outgoing regime it's in which we know with the Cleveland Browns is the constant storyline. Um, <laughs> it's funny how it, similar this it, stuff is to fucking NFL it, or like. You know, sports in general. It needs to be mentioned, though, because when that new regime came in and they put Jim Lee, who's been fantastic for years. Well, he was put someone like division, that, right? I'm sorry? Yeah, I think he was running the horror division, right? Who was just fucking killing uh, it. I got to fact check that, but I thought like they brought in the guy but, who was just killing it with, like, the Conjuring stuff. They were, like, making movies. That, are you thinking of, like, James Wan? Yeah, but I'm oh, saying like he was running that division. Like they're making no, movies Jim, for Jim Lee's a Jim Lee's a comic artist. Are you yeah. talking about Walter Armada? Either way, they realized that it was a mistake to not make the Snyder kind of reality. And by then, by Warner Brothers admitting fault and just saying, "Hey, we're going to try to uh, you know bring this back because people want it." That's the first step in the. Even that is like the first step in the right direction, to fans, so they know that they're serious about getting these movies right. Yeah, I was referring to Walter having a good Hermata, future. By the way, yeah, I just okay, it was Walter okay. Hamada. Yeah, he was the one who was in charge of like the It and Conjuring and all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, but he, he and Jim Lee, like if you watched any of the DC fandom over the, over the summer. Hamada and Jim Lee were very prevalent in those, so you know that they're they have a hand in all these things, whether it's movies or TV or whatever. Like again, it's like going back to Harry Potter or the Mandalorian or whatever. You have the cohesive creative unit behind it, and that's going to help DC a lot. And they don't care about telling any kind of story. I mean, they made Joker, which is crazy. That movie got made. Whether you like it or not, it's crazy that movie got made. As a as a semi historian or at least appreciator of the Academy Awards, I'm still shocked that Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for that movie. 
like it's just it's astounding to me, honestly. Yeah, like and, and, it's, and it's just crazy that that's a fact. That's where they separate themselves from Marvel already, because as much as I love the MCU and everything it does, I I no do, one's winning awards for it. <laughs> I get a little bored for watching eight guys stand in front of a blue screen, not actually doing the things you're seeing, and it always being, you know. PG thirteen, no blood, no repercussions, anything. You, I mean, that's that. That is a common complaint of the MCU. I'm watching a ridiculous battle go down, and and it's not exactly. There is a watered down element to it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you watch a movie like Joker, uh, it's more about the performance than it is about the film itself. About as real as it gets, and it's it's almost yeah. like it's a character study. You're not seeing character studies in the Marvel universe. Like the, some no. of the raw shit that you're getting with you, DC is different. I will say for Marvel, especially the last couple of movies, you are getting a lot more emotional complexity than the first couple yeah, of again, phases I'm, of those movies. But I'm it's still nowhere a fan, near again, yeah. something like. Um, I was going to say something about. Oh, I think you're going to see in a couple in a couple years now, the continued success of Marvel and the MCU is going to hinge on Tom Holland's Spider-Man a lot, which and scares me I think, because I'm I, I'm lukewarm on. The I Tom think Marvel Spider-Man. Marvel has to make it their paramount concern that they get Spider-Man. Cur- correct going forward yeah and i think i was talking about this with a friend actually even yesterday it's like it feels so like privileged to talk about how we don't like spider-man interacting with other heroes because for a long time until the avengers that was never going to happen and to see thor and captain america and, and iron man together like we're we're so um, spoiled now. But I feel like even even with all that all that crossover pot- potential between characters, like the fact that we see all these characters on screen together is just ridiculous. I always feel like Spider-Man is the exception to that rule. Spider-Man functions best on his own. And if you throw in a character like Daredevil or the Punisher or the Human Torch or, you know, whatever, as, like, a supporting character or a crossover character or whatever, that can work. But I don't if really... they want to make Spider-Man, like, lead of the Avengers, like, legitimately, if they're going to keep this narrative of, like, the next Iron Man, I don't think it's going to be as successful. Because one of the best things about Spider-Man, and you saw this in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, is he's, when he comes off as... Um, not out, not outwardly mean, but kind of a dick. I think that character works a little more. But like, he's not. It's a better leader. when the Avengers are like, "Hey, come help us out," and he's like, "I'm good, but thanks." Like, it it kind of pissed me off at the end of Homecoming when Iron Man was like, "You're an Avenger," and Spider Man's like, "I'm good actually," and then at the start of his at the very very beginning of his next appearance in the MCU, he was like a full flown of a full blown Avenger. Yeah. Like it, it totally went against like if they had kept with that story of his like sensibility at the end of homecoming, 
it would have turned out better because Spider-Man doesn't really give a shit about the Avengers. And I want to see that continue. We're nearing the rabbit hole we could go down of uh, my Sam Raimi boner and how I just... He, I think he got the character right, and my biggest problem with Marvel is this feeling of him being Tony Stark's little boy and following in his footsteps. That's not... Hopefully is over now. That's not Spider-Man. I'm sorry. Spider-Man no. stands perfectly fine on his own. And they have him with this nice, great life, and I also don't see that as Spider-Man. He, Spider-Man has always he has a, a very privileged life. Privileged life. Spider-Man, for Spider-Man in the comics and the way they've always known him, even in the cartoons, is he was always a tragic story. He was tragic, but it didn't matter how rough his life was. He was always Spider-Man. That's what was so good. That's what Raimi knew. If you watch Spider-Man two, everything around him is crumbling, but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. He's still Spider-Man. Tony Stark, everything around him is fantastic, and that's fine. That's his story in the comics. He is a billionaire, and he gets his way, and that's who he is. But that's not who Spider-Man is. They're trying to make Spider-Man like that, and that's just not how it works. Tobey Maguire, like, that's the thing is the Tobey Maguire ones, like, he made the suit himself. Um, Even Andrew Garfield ones, he makes the suit himself. Him being gifted the Tony Stark stuff was kind of not something I loved from the get-go. His home, his homemade homecoming suit was great. The whole, yeah, with the in, with the in comparison to the other, yeah, yeah, like and then, like the and if you watch the Toby ones, he lives in like this dumpy, fucking shitty ass apartment. He can't even buy flowers. <laughs> he can't even buy flowers for Mary Jane. He can hardly afford. And that's and there's no little moments. We've I know we've talked about this before, but there's no little moments of Tom Holland, like he's in school, whatever yacht on his field trips, but. It just doesn't. He gets, he gets everything he feels like he a wants, Disney. Though. It feels like a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah, partly because there's a lot of Disney Channel original movie stars in these movies, but which, yeah, of course Disney buys Marvel, and then you've seen a bunch of Disney stars in the Homecoming and Far From Home. I digress, but like the Sam Raimi ones, like Mary Jane's a Broadway singer, Peter Parker's trying to fucking deliver pizzas, or he's late to a Broadway show. Or in his closet, yeah. he has one suit and one Spider-Man suit, and he has to choose between his tux or Spider-Man suit. It's like real, raw, everyday living, and then he's he's always presenting photos to J. Jonah Jameson. They haven't even factored, and it took so far from home, but the Daily Bugle is a big part of Peter Parker, and it hasn't played a role in two of your Spider-Man movies in the MCU. Two of them. Not to mention all the... He's appeared five times in the other Avengers movie in the Civil War. So he's already been around for a while. Yeah, and where's um, the but, where's the photography element? Like Peter Parker, he's not a photographer. He doesn't. I mean, who who cares? He has everything he could ever want. It can be boiled down to Tobey Maguire had a shitload of problems. Sam, uh, Andrew Garfield had a ton of problems. I Tom Holland Andrew doesn't have Garfield. any problems. I know, but no. like that's what it can be. Like Tom Holland has the hot girlfriend. He has all the access to the Stark technology to make all his tech, all his suits, he has weaponry, happy, happy, and stuff. He has an assistant. He has a fucking yeah. Happy Hogan as an has assistant. As Happy, um, Aunt May knows that he's Spider Man and supports it. So you don't have any like. There's no conflict there. No. Um, and so far the villains, he's, I don't want to say easily defeated, but like he hasn't really had a terrible time with. The only saving grace. There's two saving graces for the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. 
we've gotten way off topic, but I mean, this is what we do. This is fun. Um, I like consciousness, whatever. Huh? It's just stream of consciousness, yeah. whatever. I love Tom Holland. I'll say that. Like I, I place he is of, fantastic. None, none as of this blame is on Tom Holland. He no, is not at all. A picture perfect Peter Parker. If you put Tom Holland and you gave him like Sam Raimi to make that style, it would be fucking amazing. I love Tom Holland. I think he's. I think he. He's done he a great some, job. When he gets emotional, he does a great job. So none of this is on him, obviously. Um, and I think the other thing that the MCU has gotten right for Spider Man is. The, I think the villains have gotten right too. I think Spider-Man they've has been the best. very well. They've been very well done. I mean, when you cast Michael Keaton, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Michael Keaton makes a great vulture. And I was um, impressed by Jake Gyllenhaal. And I think Jake Gyllenhaal makes a great. You could have gone a little more raw with him, which I think would be something you do if you've ever watched. I know you haven't seen Nightcrawler yet, but if you watch Nightcrawler, yeah. I was almost hoping he'd be a little more Nightcrawler-esque. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I still think Gyllenhaal's great. I think that it it definitely worked. Do I think the villains are the level of good of the Raimi ones? Again, I'm an apologist for him. No, I think Willem Dafoe is incredible because he just well, chews. And I love disc- Alfred Molina is one of the best yeah. ever. I was going to say, we're, disc- we're discrediting Spider-Man 3. So you're, if you're comparing it against Willem Dafoe Actually, and Thomas Alfred Molina, Church was a great I, I get it. I yeah, but Thomas you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I, I just... I. There's something missing. That's the that's the best way to put it. Like when people ask me who's my favorite, Batman, he doesn't have problems. When people he, ask me, he, yeah, no, go ahead. He, he he has problems throughout the course of the movies, but they're easily solved. That's the problem. That that's the one. Yeah. That's what's missing from his Spider-Man is his problems are e- are easily solved. They're too busy plugging him into the universe. Yeah. And not focusing on what Spider-Man is. And the, Spider-Man is New York. Like, like for me, like, when you talk about Superman, like what Zack Snyder does with Superman, you talk about Kansas and a farm. And, and you talk about Metropolis. And he does that. With the Raimi ones, it was New York. Like, it's New... And even, even the Andrew Garfield ones, like, you, you felt New York. When I think of New I York... I don't feel that. In modern movies, I think of Spider-Man, for sure. The, the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I'm kind of wary about is there's, there has to be a balance between interaction with other characters and individuality for, especially Spider-Man. And the thing that I'm really concerned about is, and I feel, I feel like I'm a spoiled brat about this and I'm complaining about nothing, but... The rumor is is that we're going to get a, a live-action Spider-Verse. Which means you can have the potential of getting not only Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as alternate versions of Spider-Man, you could get a live-action Miles Morales. You could get Emma Stone back as the alternate Spider-Gwen. Fuck, I bring Kirsten, bring Kirsten Dunst back. You could oh. get Kirsten Dunst. You could have Alfred Molina and William, Willem Dafoe. And kill her, she deserves and, it. And uh, Reese, Reese Ifans and whatever you you could take all these characters from previous movies and put them into like a Tom Holland Spider Verse movie. While that is batshit insane, awesomely crazy, you're sacrificing the individual Spider Man movie again. You're gonna have him um, a bit part in Civil War, two solo movies that are not essentially Spider Man. And then 
two, uh, appearances in two Avengers movies, and then you're gonna the next step for this Spider-Man is the multiverse. Like, what you're not mind, getting what, an individual Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. It's like it's like they're afraid of him taking the lead on it, which is utter bullshit. He is totally apt for taking the lead on that. Unlike I, I, I to lead a movie by himself, he can do it. Yeah, it it feels like they're afraid. They are genuinely afraid to let him. You know, like they gave Toby free reign. You know, like this this is your movie. Like there there are moments in Spider Man Two where the camera is on Toby Maguire's face for five minutes straight, where he tells a story, and while you'd be thinking that's terrible and doesn't work it works like it 100 percent works they're not it showcases Tom his ability yeah they're not showcasing him that's why i'm excited that he's making this movie charity with the russo brothers with like a, as a ptsd soldier like they're letting him showcase mm-hmm. some ability but like marvel come on man like i, I, was, I and, and i'm also i want to also state this i'm nervous about the spider-verse movie because what i that's see, what i'm saying and it's because of sony because Sony does not, it should be no shocker, they don't make the best decisions. They don't play well with others either. Correct. And they realized that they had a, a random gem in Into the Spider-Verse, which it is. Yeah. Because the fact that that movie worked is beyond all of us. That movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't have been, but it was amazing. Now they're they're like, oh, it's amazing. We're just going to recreate that in live action. My fear yeah. is that that's what they're going to do. They're going to recreate it in live action. But there, has to, be, be there has to be a purpose and an emotional reason to do it. And I don't think you're at that point yet. I just don't. I think, like, they're, I think they're just they're just throwing everything in there. They're just throwing it in. And also, the, the Into the Spider-Verse, did they have to mix in a bunch of old villains? Like, I'm hearing about Alfred Molina joining, and I'm hearing about... Jamie Foxx. Well, if you, they're throwing, if you throw too much shit into this just for nostalgia's sake, that's all it's going to be. It's not going to be the the charm of Into the Spider Verse. It's going to be all the miles. Awakens. Yeah, like like don't get me wrong. I loved all of the stories and all that stuff. But bear in mind, Into the Spider Verse went off of zero nostalgia. Zero. Yeah. All those Peter B. Parker is brand new to you and brand new to me. It's all new characters, but good storytelling. This is all going to be just, hey, you remember this guy? And they're just going to plop him on the screen and tell yeah. you to eat it up. And I don't want them, I want it to be more earned for like someone, like Tobey Maguire means a lot to me as Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield, the same thing. I, I actually really enjoy the Amazing Spider-Man movies and his portrayal. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to sell those guys short. And I know you feel the same fear that I do with that. It's just, I think... Um... The problem I have with the Spider-Verse live-action movie, if it does happen, is I. it's like, on one on one hand, I really want to see it. Because oh, I seeing Toby come back, that. seeing Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield come back, and whoever, whatever, and giving them a new like purpose in this movie is something I want to see. But again, like if you really just focus on Tom Holland... It's sacrificing the growth of his version of Spider-Man. And I, if you, I think if you do this because it'll be a nostalgia fest. If you want to do it in a movie or two down the road, that's he great. needs an individual Spider-Man. But movie. I think he because does. of the death of Tony Stark now, 
and his full separate, I think you have a real opportunity to just grow the shit out of him. And I don't want them to miss that. The only way to me that this works is if you have the three main movie Spider-Man team up against a multiverse version of Sinister Six. But that's going to take time. You can't just throw that together. I mean, I just feel like... If you bring in Green Goblin and Doc Ock from from Toby, you bring in Electro and um, whatever from Andrew... uh, Rhino... From right. Andrew Garfield, oh, and then please, you bring please in don't Vulture. Bring back, please don't bring back. You know what I mean? Amani. Yeah. Vulture and uh, Mysterio from Holland. It could work that way. Yes, I just. But I agree. It needs some kind of time to develop. Because and Spider-Man we, Three um, curse seems to be real, where a third installment of Spider-Man Three gets plagued, or or a third installment of Spider-Man is plagued with. Yeah. Issues, so I just want to see it. I want to. See, I want to see. I just. I just don't want them to get ahead of themselves because it feels like all these stories came right after the Flash announcement and into the Spider Verse success. I don't want it's them. Def- to fo- I don't want it to be forced. It's definitely reactionary to. Uh, you notice that DC was starting to try to get into the multiverse and bringing in past versions of They're characters. They're the first and to then do suddenly, it. Suddenly, Marvel is doing the same. Yeah, which I, is. I mean, we can all see through that. Yeah, and that's just not something you expect out of Marvel. Again, we're talking sports franchises. Normally, someone isn't trying to then compete with the other in that sense. Normally, they're ahead of yeah. the curve. I think DC's makes more sense. I think if just, you're going to make a Flashpoint movie, which is synonymous with time travel, not to mention yeah. you're you're already ahead of the game because you included someone in your DC universe in a show. Mm-hmm. Which is something Marvel's never done. They haven't even they haven't even acknowledged the shows. So yeah. I think they they which already, is a total they mistake. Already, they already took that extra step by including Ezra in the Flash mm-hmm. um, with Grant Gustin. But I just think that if you're if you're going to bring back and and notice they're not talking about bringing back like the only person they're bringing back that isn't in that universe is Michael Keaton because I did hear a rumor today that Linda Carter may return as Wonder Woman. Which would be kind of ridiculous, think, but again, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be biased, but it, it just seems more effective on the DC end because of the historical nature of Michael Keaton's from the, the fucking '80s, right? Yeah. Um, Linda, Linda Carter's Carter from the '70s. Yeah, you bring those guys back. That is ridiculously impactful, and also that story already is a time travel story. Like it already is. Spider right. Spider Man is not. You have to come up with a way for it to happen. Spider-Man to, for needs them to some, cross dimensions. Which you need, you need some added elements thrown into there. You know, we didn't mention this yet, but in the Spider-Verse movie, if you're going to make that happen, then you know who else has has to be in that movie is Doctor Strange, which is like and that's cool, but like that's Wanda. another. Yeah. So if you if you introduce Wanda and Doctor Strange into a Spider-Man movie for the purpose of that particular movie it may benefit the story but in general do you really need Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch in a Spider-Man movie? <laughs> it's just it, it. I get where they're going with it but it just seems unnecessary. Yeah I'm Instead of we'll go. 
I'll stop it right about now with the Spider-Man stuff because I'll just keep going because I have so many figures of Spider-Man stuff. I just I want them to do it right, but I I have I just don't know that they will. I don't. I'm trying. I try really hard not to be like those people who say, "Well, Michael Keaton was my Batman," and I just can't accept any of these future iterations. I'm trying yeah. not to be that kind of person and not trying to be like, "Well." When I was a kid, Tobey Maguire movies really struck with me. So those are the those are the quintessential ones, and not be accepting of new content. I'm trying really hard not to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but something just feels empty, and I think it's all these other characters. And when I go to see a Spider-Man movie, I don't feel like I'm seeing a Spider-Man movie. I guess that's my point. And I feel like if you do the Spider-Verse thing. It as as awesome it would be to see Toby and to see Andrew and to see some of their villains and stuff come back and be in those worlds again. I feel like you're you're sacrificing my chance to finally bond with Tom Holland, who I haven't yet. And I think that's the most important part is people need to feel that bond with Tom Holland, maybe like I felt with Toby, which maybe Isn't some it, young people do now. I don't know, but I personally honestly, don't. I've seen a lot of people online. People love Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and again, I but, think he, I think he's a great Peter Parker. I I don't yeah. want to get lost. But isn't it kind of sad that he's made the most appearances of Spider-Man so far, and you feel the least connected to him? That he's made sad. more appearances than Toby and Andrew. Actually, he's tied. He's made five appearances that ties the other two actors. Yeah, and, and you feel like the least amount of connection to his at least. At least to me. I feel more emotionally connected to Toby, and I think I just always will. Yeah. Um, I mean, be, just because Sam Raimi did something different with... All the Marvel movies look the same. Again, I'm a, I am a Marvel fan. This feels like I'm bashing on them, but they, they all but... Look and feel the same. If you watch, like... If you watch... Like, if you... Like, Sam Raimi took... Spider-Man 2 is shot with like this golden classical film look to it. Mm-hmm. Half the movie is Tobey Maguire just being shit on with real yeah. problems. Um, plenty of moments he's not even Spider-Man, you know. <laughs> and right. it, it just works. I just don't think that you have those risks or those styles being used in an MCU Spider-Man. Well, if you think about just think about all the Spider-Man movies. Besides, uh, let, let's just do live action because um, Into the Spider-Verse was just groundbreaking, honestly, as an animated film and a film in general. But my point is, think of the three Toby movies, the two Andrew movies, and the two, I'm just talking individual Spider-Man, Tom Holland movies. The only, I, I, I know a lot of people have a lot of reverence for Spider-Man 2. But to me, that kind of built on what the first one did. The only one of those movies that were groundbreaking for their time and laid the foundation for other movies like it was the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I, I love I the first Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. I'm not a huge fan of the second one. And the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are, are they're good, but they're like they're more okay, they feel right? Hollow. The, the only and I fucking hate Spider-Man three, and and like I said, Spider-Man two I built for upon pressure. the foundation of the first Spider-Man, but 
um, if you think of it in like an objective way, the only one of those Spider-Man movies so far that has felt any sort of groundbreaking or just like revolutionary was the first Sam Raimi one. And we haven't had another movie like that since, as far as Spider-Man goes. And specifically, the one thing I always reference from the Raimi movies too, uh, compared to the new ones, is that fight scene at the end of Spider-Man 1 was so... There's like this fight scene between Green, Green Goblin and Spider-Man where it's, it's brutal. brutal and bloody. For 2002? <laughs> and stylized. It still is fucking stylized and cool today. Like sound effects and slow mo. Like I watch it it's now like, and I'm like, I'm like, this is one of the most timeless fight scenes I've ever seen. That it still is cool. And I'm it's a now live almost action. thirty. I saw that when yeah. I was in middle school, and I'm literally like, that. Like I see a CGI Tom Holland webbing up drones. I mean, it's yeah. it's not get, the same. Is the ground hand to hand bloody combat? You know that you see the you see the end of Spider Man one in like an abandoned warehouse. It's just it, it, it's, it's 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 those things that and especially seeing that as a kid too. Yeah, it was scary to me. And, and even like, he fucking stabs Willem Dafoe gets stabbed with a glider and dies. Yeah, you know, like that stuff was scary to me as a kid, which was impactful. It's like they're they are afraid to make things. That real today, everything like more just feels grounded. Wa- it feels watered down, yeah, and hollow. And that's my problem. Is, I, is I'm I'm kind of sick of of feeling this emptiness. Like that was cool. I was entertained. Yeah. I don't really want to. This sounds pretentious, and especially pretentious from someone who's been robbed of movies for the past ten months. Yeah, but I don't want to be and just entertained anymore. I want to feel something. Yeah. When I walk out of Inception for the first time in a theater, that's a feeling that's hardly ever been replicated. Like, like a profound, like it literally changed the way I look at all movies and all entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, I I want to find that again. I just don't think the MCU is doing that. I think I just feel like DC is a little more on the trend of doing that. I think they maybe always have been. I think. The '89 Batman was transcendent that way. The it Nolan was. Batmans were are transcendent that way. I think DC is maybe a little more inclined to tell these transcendent stories. I think the Pattinson Batman movie has the potential, if you've seen those trailers, to be that way because it's right. so definitely. Different. I mean, you watch that trailer and you're like, "The fuck is this? This is like Seven meets the." daredevil netflix series you know what using, i mean using nirvana as like yeah the trailer music marvel when would you do you i mean i again i like the mcu but would you can you imagine seeing them do something like that no no never so i i just i want things to, and again you, you brought up tenant earlier i need more stuff like that stuff that's transcendent I, and makes me think and makes me need to revisit a lot of movies that I've really enjoyed recently, like Tenet, and a lot of um, like older classics I've watched for the first time, or even some foreign uh, foreign films that I've watched for the first time, they have something in common. Is after they're over, I have to know everything about it. I have to read all the IMDb trivia, uh, Wikipedia article, look up 
like Google about it, know every aspect of it, like it, cause it sticks with you. And a good movie comes down to, does it make you think about it minutes, hours, days, weeks later after you saw it? And if it does, then it's probably a pretty great movie, at least to you. Um, Think of classics and like what I don't... Seven. Simple story. Yeah. I think about I think about that movie all the time. <laughs> that movie came out however long ago. Or, I mean, me and you watched um, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Nothing, nothing actually really happens in that movie until the last half hour. Right. But it ends and I'm like, fuck, man. I need to learn more about how this got made and I'm gonna I need to watch this again. Like it's stuff like that, I guess, that that I need. But a little less of the after credits. Here's another ensemble moving movie coming. Yeah, it's like I just hope that the Marvel movies moving forward are more like that and less forgettable after you watch them. Which is why I like Endgame. No yeah, trade, but I've no gone, after credits. But I've gone back and watched more recent MCU movies like uh, Guardians Two, or Homecoming, or um, Black Panther, or Captain Marvel. Where, if like in the process of watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is in it. I forgot this part or something because like there's parts of those movies that are semi-forgettable, and. I don't want that to be, you know, the continuing story of MCU going forward, especially with Spider-Man. I think, I I mean, I, I do think Kevin Feige is smart enough that he's going to make necessary changes and he's going to change things up a bit. I think that's why he, I think that's why he was smart enough to make Endgame the, like, and it, it really wasn't. Finality. Endgame. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I think he realized, all right, this is, we're at the peak of our powers it's going to start getting old. We need to wrap this up. Gotta do something different. In this way now, so that we can open the door to do some different shit, different shit moving forward. Otherwise, people are going to be like, you know, I'm. People I, already are getting tired of the formulaic. Um, yeah, I remember a long time ago seeing like a chart of the the Marvel formula. This was like in phase one or two. Of it's a joke, but it is real. When you watch it, it, it totally it's is real. There are a lot of similar, uh, similar elements, absolutely. And it sucks because I I love Chadwick Boseman, and yeah. I think he was phenomenal as Black Panther. And still I'll such always, a bummer. I'll, I'll always appreciate that movie for for him and everything he does. And yeah, it it fucking bums me out about him. But there is when even when you watch that movie, there's a formulaic nature to it that I just don't I don't yeah. enjoy. I enjoy him. I enjoy Michael B. Jordan. I enjoy. Well, yeah, you can enjoy, enjoy individual I, I enjoy the performances. performances. Yes, mm. but I just the the formula still there exists. There is still the formula there. Um, and I'd rather. And that, that's I'd that's the thing have, about uh, these, individual stories. That's the thing about DC right now is there is zero formula. They are literally just giving it to the creator, letting the creator make it, and saying, "Well." It's either part of the universe or 
did you like this movie? Because that's all there is to it. You know what I mean? Like Joker. It's like, oh, is this part yeah, of the like, universe? They're like, no, dude, this is just a character study. Did you like it? Yeah, well, you're welcome. And yeah. Birds of Prey, they're like, yeah, it's basically a sequel to Suicide Squad, but really it's just us having fun with these girls. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Shazam was made by a dude who made like one low-budget horror movie. They don't care. And it, tell me, at Shazam, Birds of Prey, Joker... Aquaman. Aquaman. Those movies, there's no formula. Those all stand 100%. They're all different movies. On their own. Yeah. And because of that, there are people that hate some and love the other. Which I, I, I'm sick of everybody loving each movie in the MCU for the same reason. I like that DC, I, it's weird. But you almost start to appreciate the divisiveness that it is so different that people either love it or hate it. Um. Like especially especially with Zack Snyder, like I love Man of Steel. I'm, you know, lukewarm on Wonder Woman. Everybody seems to love Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's well. We know. I mean, we know people that like we loved Aquaman. We know people that fucking despise that movie. I yeah, because fucking hates it. Because when I um for that for that movie like specifically. I didn't take it seriously at all. And you could tell that even though they were still making a serious story, the people that made it didn't take it seriously at all either. And that helps. When you take your when you take these comic comic book like Aquaman was a comic book in live action. Like when you take this these stories too seriously, you're gonna fail nine times out of ten. Although I do believe that the the Batman story there is something serious to tell, which is like why I enjoy Snyder's. Batman's a little different though than right Aquaman when, when or Shazam. About Aquaman and Shazam, they approach it one hundred percent the correct way. We're not yeah, going to make a serious right, universe universe expanding story. No, we're just going to. This is an absurd concept. We're going to make an absurd movie around it. Shazam right. is literally big. It's 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 just like Tom Hanks big. Um, but with you know, but with horror elements in it, which I didn't expect. Love yeah, that. which is kind of jarring, but love that about it. They didn't give a fuck. Aquaman is literally like an eighties. It's Avatar. like Top Gun with superheroes. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's the most absurd thing you've ever seen, and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna watch anything else like this. <laughs> so it's like I if if you approach it with that sensibility and just appreciate it for what it is and not make it too serious then like i appreciated it more that way and i want to see like an aquaman sequel with black manta and whoever else because it'll be just as absurd as the first one and that's fine because aquaman doesn't need to win oscars and be like critically like a critical darling or anything like it was just it's a fun comic book that's what it was supposed to be yeah. And but but that movie is so different than all the other movies in the DCEU. That's what I want to keep happening. I want it, like DC strength even with Zack Snyder and then hopefully going forward is choosing someone to helm the project and let them do their thing. You right. didn't hire them for no reason. And it's worked with it to mostly to an extent with Snyder. It worked with Patty Jenkins, it's worked with David F. Sandberg and James Wan. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing that over and over again. Let the people that you've hired 
go out and do their job and you'll get successful and more importantly you'll get varied movies because even 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 letting uh kathy yan do her thing for birds of prey oh yeah birds was, of, it was birds of prey is, it was so successful it was better than like yeah and that's why that's why david ayer gets so much shit for suicide squads because they meddled with him so much like if you would let him do his thing you probably would have gotten a better movie i do think that you're gonna see an air cut coming out it it, it won't be announced until snyder cut is out but no. i i think it's still coming i think i think it's it's too easy for them to to piece that together i i think that's not a relatively difficult process to put together this this cider cut because everything he already shot everything you know like that 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 movie you just compile his cut and you release it i don't see any harm in doing that and i think they know that that's only going to increase their subscribers and increase their goodwill because that's the thing whether the movie's good or not you're 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 trying to make up for mistakes you've made. People will people are going to appreciate that. You know they already have their opinion of yeah. the movie. That's not going to change. You know, but if you re, if you show that you're trying to correct some things and just stick to visions, regardless of universe, because that's the thing that, that that could butcher their own universe. Yeah, I mean, releasing the Snyder Cut can butcher certain parts of other movies they've made since they don't care. They just want the best version of each movie out now. But the good thing about DC doing that is that when, if you're familiar with their work, just talking directors wise, like I'm not really sure of what all like the Black Adam director has done, but like whatever. But um, for example, is that, is that David Phillips, S. Sandberg again? No, it's, so, it's somebody else. I can't remember his name at the moment. Okay. But you let Todd Phillips do what he wanted with Joker. And that turned yeah. out, but like to get hype, to to get hype started for these movies, if you know, if you're like privileged enough or researched enough to know what a director has done, when they're announced that they're doing a movie, you're going to get more excited about it because you know that DC is going to give their directors more leeway. Like James Gunn doing a Suicide Squad movie is just absolutely bananas because you know what James Gunn can do. Dude, they're gonna like, have I'm excited King, for that King movie. Shark in there. <laughs> I'm more excited for that movie because James Gunn is doing it than if it was just like some guy that like Dude. they just inserted in there. Like the director brings hype to the movie just by name alone. Like the cast um, of that movie is bananas. Uh, it has Taika Waititi, and I have a sneaking suspicion that he's King Shark, which would be incredible. Oh, definitely. Pete Davidson, uh, Nathan Margaret Robbie, of course, John Cena, Michael Rooker. That movie's gonna be wild. Taika Waititi, Idris Elba, Viola Davis, Sean Gunn, um, Joel Kinnaman's back. But are you more excited about that movie because James Gunn is doing it? You know, DC is going to let him do whatever. Like, yeah, they're not. One they, of the they, reasons he they're not going like, to let him give a fuck. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He said that one of the main reasons he signed on to do that movie was because DC was like, you can. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a pool of characters you could choose from, but he's like, choose whoever, choose whoever you want. You can do whatever you want with them. Yeah. Like, you don't get that free reign over at Marvel. No. 
that is the new DC. It's 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 whatever whatever the hell you want to make. Um, we're not trying to create a cinematic universe here. Um, if we want to expand on an opportunity, maybe they will in a show. But uh, they just want to make re- good movies. I'd rather they do that. Just make good movies, and then if a Justice League movie comes up, and you can just insert characters from other movies, it can work. I'd rather they do that than make everything so connected. I think I think that DC has a real opportunity here. I think that this is the last last thing I'll touch on before we wrap up. I think the smartest thing to do with Zack Snyder, who I think is phenomenal stylistically, and I think there's a lot of depth to the stuff that he makes, um, like Watchmen. Um, I love Batfleck. I I just I think there's incredible depth to it. I think the thing that's always hurt him is when it comes to movies. I think that he's restricted by it having to be such a short runtime, and he wants to he try his ambitions sometimes outweigh the runtimes and the format that he's portraying his stuff in. I think right. the person who decides to use him for a show, um, is going to reap the benefits. I think I, I, I you take a series like Daredevil and you and that is very much like Zack Snyder, but it's it's all out. Like you have all the hours to tell all the story you want to. I think if if DC takes advantage of HBO Max and uses Zack Snyder in a sh- in a series format, I think they're going to reach which, the benefits which, of that. Which I think they will. Um, I still think a Man of Steel sequel is coming, but I don't think Zack Snyder is necessarily going to direct it. I no. I think. He would probably. I would agree with you. I think he'd probably be better. You be better utilized doing like a a Batman show for HBO Max, which I not, think. Yeah. After we we have to see what come. What I said before, what springs off of the Snyder cut, because if it's if it's successful, we're gonna see a lot more come out of it. A Batman show, given the Daredevil treatment on HBO Max, if they announced that with Zack Snyder helming it, all the hype train. And it, not just me, like you know, the internet people will shit their pants. It'd be that, something to see for sure. Yeah, I mean, because because that's the thing we've all seen our Batman movies. We've seen they announced Pattinson looks great. They've announced Keaton. They've announced Clooney. We do love that movie though. They've announced the Nolan ones. Like we, you're always excited for the next Batman movie. Much like it's almost like a James Bond thing at this point. You're excited to see who the new Bruce Wayne is and all that stuff. But never have they turned it into a live-action show, like you said, since the 60s. I think that would be a big deal. I, I think It would definitely be a big deal. Today's, today's uh, market and the way streaming is going, I think they are now... I, think, I don't think there was a market for it before. Um, there definitely is now. If you've watched the CW shows, they're not... You, like, as much as people love them, and, and I do enjoy them, they're not the caliber of a cinematic thing. There is a cheesiness and a lack of special effects, even for shows like Arrow and Flash and stuff right. like that. But now that, now that you have shows like The Boys, Stranger Things, um, Daredevil, it's changed. Right? Now you're yeah. in you now you're in the realm where you can create a Batman show on streaming that is just unfiltered. It's everything you've never seen from Batman before. I say you just put it in my face right now. <laughs> I'll I'll take it all. Um, all in the face. And I think if if you do that, HBO Max can can win the streaming wars. I have no doubt about that. Again, I don't. I don't even need 
neither uh, to be a streaming war. Just give me all the content I can possibly consume. Marvel, DC, whatever. I agree with you. I don't want to take sides, but I think if you egg on the streaming war, it only encourages each side to make better and better shit, and then I reap all the benefits of it. (laughs) That's the only thing. It's like good competition just creates better content for everybody. So I want each side to try and I that's that's never changed. I want each side to try and outdo each other. As a fan, I love them both. But the more they try and outdo each other, the more the, we'll reap the rewards. The more I'll reap sure. the reward. However, I think DC was going the wrong way to outdo Marvel by being Marvel. But I think they brought in the right people where they're like, hey, they've been... "Hey Marvel, uh you're a little behind the times here, pal." And then all of a sudden I reap the the benefits on this side. And Marvel how much more successful how much yeah. more successful DC has been once they started doing their own thing. Yeah. Don't try to copy Marvel. It'll, it's a terrible road to go down. Let them do what they're good at and you do what you're good at. Yeah. Which consequently is whatever the artist is good at. So hire right. yourself a good which, creative. Which I'm totally on board for. Yeah. Less suits, more uh, more people behind the camera. Right. Yeah. So this was, yeah, this was our update episode, which was a lot more of a, (laughs) you can tell that we haven't talked in a while, both in podcast form or in general because of quarantine, because Mm -hmm. we had a lot of thoughts and we're able to really like go off course. Right. Um, But uh, I bet that, I mean, that was the relevant news, the Spider-Verse stuff, the Snyder Cut stuff, the Disney Plus stuff, and the, uh, the, I mean, Wonder Woman being put on HMX, that's all of the big groundbreaking news. I don't think there's really anything that we missed Right. Um, if we did, we can get to it next time. <laughs> if we did, we, yeah, we can get to it next time. But I don't believe there's anything that we really missed. Oh, also, hashtag save Daredevil. I know we've talked about Daredevil a lot, but... Uh, Dude, I, I have been a broken record for five years. Watch that show. That is the greatest it's, show it's, on Netflix. It's, li- it's in my top ten shows of all time. It's a fantastic show. Char- Charlie, Charlie Cox is like, like... Chris Evans is Captain America. To me... Charlie Cox is Daredevil. If 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 they continue one thing from that show in the current MCU, it should be Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Just bring him back. That's all him. I want. Bring Foggy back. I love Foggy. I know. No, I'm saying I want them all back. But yeah. if I yeah. can only have one, I would love to have Charlie Cox back. Because and John Berthold. Is that too much? Ass? I, I I don't think I. I mean. I can't think of a more perfect show from start to finish. Honestly, it was it was it was perfect from start to finish. The day they canceled that, it was like I think I think it was around like they canceled Henry Cavill, they canceled Daredevil. I was just like, fuck everything. <laughs> Bring him back, <laughs> please. I already Hopefully, heard uh, Henry Cavill's probably coming back. From what I hear, um, and cameos. I, but I some, think someone, I think it's will. Superman's a big IP. Someone's some, they're gonna they're gonna. And I still think Henry Cavill's the perfect. He's perfect for a modern day Superman. I mean, look at him. I just hope that now that Marvel has the rights back to Daredevil, we'll get more Daredevil in it, in its current form because it was yeah phenomenal. But I want it raw and R rated like it was before because Daredevil yeah, if, Daredevil is not they, a clean story. It isn't just honestly. I would take a more mature movie of it with the same actors, but if they yeah. continue the series, throw it on Hulu. If you don't want to put it on Disney Plus with all your kid-friendly stuff, throw it on Hulu. It'll be successful. Last point. I realized I said that. 
there are rumors <laughs> that Disney is going to include like an 18 plus category. This came from Grace Randolph too. She might have heard that. Do it. Because now that they have Daredevil, they might be pushing that kind of content on like an 18 and up. See, I just, like Disney is known for family friendly entertainment, but it's 2020. People aren't stupid. You can have Snow White and TVMA Daredevil on the same streaming service. If you got to block it behind like a parental guidance, like wall, like whatever, but like they can appear in the same service. It's not, it's not that big of a deal anymore. I don't know why it would be. I live by it. I live by these words: adapt or die. Exactly. Disney. If, adapt or die. If yeah. If you throw all of Daredevil and the other Netflix shows on Disney Plus and then continue to make more seasons of it or whatever, that I mean, that only helps your cause to get people to yeah. subscribe to Disney Plus. It'll it'll certainly keep me around. Any of those people bitching about like, well, I don't want my kids to watch this. Parental yeah, settings. Them. There's parental settings, bro. Don't pay right. the money to go see this. You have, I mean, you, you I, can make, I, it's not my problem. You can make, you can password protect your profiles, and you can make kid, kid only profiles. It's not that hard. Also, don't Just pretend do you don't pretend you didn't grow up in the '80s where every horror movie was sex and you were right. out smoking cigs and escaping. Don't Hypocrites. act like we're like a terrible like everything is so watered down now. You grew up in the most unfiltered world of all time. Right. Come on. Um, I, I mean, I would love to log on to Disney Plus soon in the future and see Daredevil. Just, yeah. just do it. I haven't used Disney Plus in months because there's nothing for me on it right now. Dude, Mandalorian, get caught up. It's fantastic. There is the man. There is the Mandalorian. I'm sorry. There's a the Mandalorian. I just finished the boys. I haven't gotten around to Mandalorian right. yet because I just finished the boys season two. I'm still riding that high. Um, not sure if Mandalorian will meet those expectations, but from what everybody says, it will. Um, but have you watched the, have you watched fan, the boys yet? I've watched a couple episodes and I've not gotten through it. No, season I know. Two, I know. Season two is phenomenal, so you need to watch that show. It, if you if you really really enjoy the original Star Wars Chelsea, you'll love the Mandalorian. Just give it a chance. I, I maybe have... I'll give the boys a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you should give it a chance. My favorite. My favorite is that. Uh, I'll tell you the storyline, but it's not. It's not like it's like a. It's like a subplot. Is the water guy? Yeah. Um, he gets. Deep. Yeah, deep gets like kicked off, and he gets sent to Sandusky, Ohio, to be the superhero there. And he goes through like this whole finding himself thing, and it's <laughs> the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like self help for the deep. Does Does Cedar Point make an appearance? I, d- I don't remember if they mention it. They mention you... that they do mention that Cleveland has its own hero, and he kind of okay. talks with the, with Deep some. The Cleveland okay. Cleveland's hero is like an Arrow guy. Um, okay, but they bring up Cleveland and stuff. It's funny that they send him there, but yeah. that's funny. The boys is also, just da- it's dark. It's so dark. also Billy Joel. So that's always good. Season two has a lot more Billy Joel references, and also Carl Urban is just the fucking shit. I love Carl Urban. He's fantastic and everything. Moral Carl Urban, and also make me a Dread too, please. If you haven't (laughs) seen Dread yet, you need to watch the first Dread. Carl Urban is just a treat to mankind. I would like more of him, please. Especially in the form of Dread. So if we could get that, I would be satisfied. Maybe in the future. Give me Daredevil first. (sighs) Yeah, Daredevil (laughs) first, then give me Dread. Make a Dread series. I don't care. And James Bond, for God's sake. Just give it to me. Come on. You know what? James Bond series would be kick ass. 
I don't, I don't if know. They if they would release a movie more recently than every five years, it'd be more kick-ass. No Time to Die has Hans Zimmer, fucking uh, Anna, Anna Diarmas. Oh, Rami Malek is the villain. Rami, Rami Malek. Like, release that fucking and, movie. And Leia Seydoux is back. And she's just a yeah. treat. Like, just release no. that fucking movie. I need to see it now. You know my pain over it. The last 007 movie I, I saw was Spectre. That's like, the last one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that's that's how long ago it was. It, it seems like a lifetime ago that the movie came out. It kind of was. I just started dating my now wife. That's a long fucking I, time ago. I started and ended a relationship in between the times that the last James Bond movie came out and this one. There you go. So it was, I it feel was, you. It was an entire era ago. You know, <laughs> like let, let's 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 just give me. <laughs> it's like I don't care how. Yeah, just, give. Give, give me James Bond, give then me. Daredevil, and then maybe we'll get a Dread 2. There we go. In that order. But don't forget Dread 2. <laughs> um, well, thanks for catching up, man. But We're we definitely going to pump this out more. Um, so I, much more. And especially now that I've the area with which I can record is now finished and ready to go. So that right. helps, too. You're good to go. Um, thanks for hopping on. I'm going to render man. this, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Post it to the bots. I, I will post it for the bots. All right. All right. Bye. Talk to you next time.